teeny-weeny, but your tiger's tame. You've got a lot to learn about the genie game. So for your education, I reiterate, you're only second rate. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Frustrated Fans, where we're venting frustrations. One very bad direct-to-video movie at a time. Or in the case of Resurrection F, one bad direct-to-theater movie at a time. It stinks. I'm Jeremy. And I'm Pete. And ha <laughs> welcome to direct-to-video hell! <laughs> I don't know where they came from. It just something came over me. <laughs> That's fine. I plan on working in an insult to Resurrection F in every single episode. I noticed. <laughs> it's just so much fun. I mean, that movie just really got to you, didn't it? Oh, God. But that's not the one we're here to talk about. No, we're here to talk about a better movie. Arguably. <laughs> No, it's a better movie. I'm not sure I agree. It's better animation for one. I'm not sure I agree, but we'll we'll, we'll discuss this. So today, we're here to talk about the very, very first Disney direct-to-video movie, Aladdin, The Return of Jafar. Yes. Fortunately, Disney Key has given us quite a bit of material to ever, to, to do, work with this. If we so choose, there is a lot of direct-to-video hells, and Return of Jafar was actually the first one. This was their first attempt at doing a direct-to-video sequel to one of their movies. Right. Now, honestly, this the company had considered this a theatrical release with a bigger budget, but if you go on and actually read read about the movie when it was being made, effectively, it would have taken the company five years to put through theatrical pipeline and doing a direct video would have taken less than two. And since yeah. they wanted to cash in quick, well... Yeah. And then they also made sure to work this into being the... Essentially, it's the pilot for the Aladdin TV series. Which is much and, better, but that's another story. Yeah, which apparently... It was originally going to be a television special. It was going to be like the opener to the show. Mm-hmm. But in, they instead, they decided to do direct video so well, that's it's like a multi-part experiment. That certainly explains a lot. Because the movie begins with the Aladdin TV show's theme song. Yeah. I don't even remember well, that. Yeah. And well, it's, I mean, it does start with Arabian Nights, which started the original movie, too. True, and it's what the, ends the third movie as well. Yeah. Yeah. God, why do I remember that? <laughs> Basically, this came out, uh, original release date was May 20th, 1994. Uh, and was later put to DVD just over ten years later. Uh, it's only it's only it's a short movie. It's only about sixty nine minutes. And yeah. yeah, if you're having Uncle TV babysit your kids for a while, this is one of the shorter movies to do. So this amounts works out to about what three, maybe four episodes worth of a TV show. Uh, it they, were, were, they would have break. Yeah. Down. Probably about four. Apparently, it was supposed to be like the five-part opener to it, which adding in commercials, yeah, it yeah, worked I out. Yeah, I see that. Parts. I mean, it's not that this this company had been was unused to four or five-part openers to a series. As I recall, Tailspin and Rescue Rangers both began with these long TV movies. Yep, gargoyles too. Oh yeah, there's that too. 
So this was produced by uh, what's now known as Disney Toon Studios, but this was originally their uh, Australian division, I believe. It's not that this this particular even this Disney Toon has done bad movies before. They've got under the resume even before their very first movie, and we're borrow. Bear in mind, we're, we are borrowing this off Wikipedia. Is uh, DuckTales the theatrical movie was their first major production, but it was one of the very few theatricals they did. Essentially, Disney used Disney Toon Studios to push out a lot of direct-to-video stuff. Now, Jeremy, what is your experience with, I guess, the Aladdin franchise? I didn't see Aladdin in theaters. I first saw it when it was out on video. I think I saw it at a friend's house. Neat. Um, but I remember I absolutely loved it when I was a kid, and to the point where I watched it so many times, I swear I had this movie committed to memory. <laughs> like, almost the entire script. Um, I definitely have the soundtrack, because I have the cassette tape. Yes, cassette tape. I am old. <laughs> we are both old, yes. Yep, and uh, I listened to that nonstop, and definitely had all the uh, songs memorized. And I remember, I think the first time I saw Return of Jafar, I wasn't a huge fan of it. I think the main problem I had when I was a kid was Robin Williams wasn't the genie. <laughs> but I'm in the end, I ended up watching it like God, like infinite amount of times and memorizing those songs as well. And, of course, I was a big fan of the TV series, and I have no idea if I've actually seen the final episode of it, though, or maybe I have, and I have no idea if it was the final episode. As I rec- um, I'm looking, I'll go look it up while you continue. Okay. And I did see Aladdin, the King of Thieves, probably the least amount of times out of the three, but I remember enjoying it, and it was nice seeing Robin Williams back. And it was kind of funny, because by the time I saw that, when by the time that movie came out, I was... Oh, I was pretty much used to Dan Castellaneta as the genie, because he played him in Return of Jafar and in the TV series. Yeah. And finally, back in high school, I actually got back into it again, because that was when I slowly started getting back into stuff that I liked as a kid. Like when I, That was when I first saw um, the Transformers movie when I was a senior in high school. And uh, yeah, no, I really... I've always been a fan of the three of them, and even though I have seen the third one the least. And going into this, I was like, I really hope I still enjoy this movie. Okay. Here we go. Um, the Aladdin TV show had Disney originally uh, published 65 episodes for the... So 65 for the magic number of syndication. And then CBS actually commissioned two more seasons mm. for with respectively 13 and 8 episodes. So... Which is actually pretty notable because the majority of the cast of the movies came back for not only the television show, but both of the direct video Yep. Most of the time, that did not happen in any Disney projects. You ain't never gonna recast me. Now, we'll, well, we'll get to the Robin Williams be, scandal, yeah. but yeah. Oh, I was gonna say, to be fair, a couple of the, sequel, the sequels they've done came out... Way long after. The oh, original. you mean the the two Cinderellas? Like yeah. Well, like Bambi two, yeah, the Cinderella sequel. <laughs> so that one is less likely they were getting the actors back. Right. I I will credit um, them for one thing. When they did the Emperor's New Groove TV series, they got a great David Spade sound alike. Yeah, and I believe Eartha Kitt was part of that too. Which is, I mean, if you're gonna have anyone, have her back. As for me, I actually had a pretty unique experience here. 
um, growing up, I think Lion King was my favorite of the Disney Renaissance, the Disney Renaissance, but Hunchback has since become my favorite as an adult. As far as Aladdin goes, I actually saw this while it was in production. Pre- well, the preview while it was in production when my parents took me to Disney World in 1991. This, oh wow! Yeah, this was the week of Easter, 1991, and. And, you know, this was back when Disney still had a Florida animation studio that was working in tandem with the California department to release movies every year. So during the trip, you get to you got to go inside the animation studio and talk with one of the animators, and you get to see previews of whatever they're working on at the time. And in this case, it happened to be Aladdin. I actually got to see a production still of that famous shot of Aladdin first picking up the lamp. And I can oh, still wow. remember that. Yeah. And at the time, that was what they were showing off, was they were showing all the Cave of Wonders stuff, which to this day is still an impressive piece of filmmaking. So, um, of course, when we got back and the movie was finally released, yeah, my parents took us to it. Yeah, I I still remember seeing it in theaters. And yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, It was a great movie at the time. It's still a great movie now. Um, of course, when Return of Jafar, my parents borrowed at the co- uh, my siblings and my request, and I can remember watching more than once. Had I known this was going to set off all this crappy material to come, well, I'm not sure I would have viewed it as positive as I did as a kid. All that said, Return of Jafar is not exactly one I remember today with any real nostalgia feelings about it. The original movie is good, um, but I really don't look at movie two or three with any real fond feelings. I mean, if I had kids of my own, I'm sure I'd be watching it with them, and I'd probably put my foot in my mouth. Um, <laughs> but even when I can remember, 3 is still far the better movie, and not just because they have Jeannie, you know, Ron Williams as Jeannie back, but you know, the story is stronger. What I find interesting about this movie most of all is this gave rise to two, these two iconic roles um, of both Iago and Jafar that have – more or less been carried by the same actor in almost every incarnation of the character. Iago has always been played by Gilbert Gottfried, at least for English releases. What? The lamp? Jeez, where'd you dig this bozo up? Jafar has been covered by Jonathan Freeman in both Aladdin, The Return of Jafar, uh, but not only, but Kingdom Hearts, and Freeman auditioned and campaigned hard and won the role of Jafar for when the Broadway show came out a few years ago. The princess will marry me. Oh wow! Yeah, he was the original part of the original cast as Jafar. This is like one of those roles that he is born to play, as far as he's concerned. And you do see this with other Disney roles, like James Woods as Hades. Like these oh, actors yeah. fall in love with these roles so hard that they have to play it. Yeah, I think um, Scott White Wainer, however you pronounce his last he's name, the guy from Penthouse, I know. Yeah, he's always. I, yeah, he's always played Aladdin, too. Mm-hmm. And I think they've always had Frank Welker playing Abu. Well, he's Frank frickin' Welker. Of course, that was... Yeah. Well, well, we'll go more into the movie itself after a quick break. As Robin Williams takes over the film as the magical genie, who's so powerful, he does impressions of people who won't be born for hundreds of years. So, like we mentioned, uh, Aladdin is one of the very few Disney properties to retain almost its entire cast in whatever it does. Now, there are obvious exceptions for this. When it came for um, the Once Upon a Time version of Jafar and the New Descendants, which apparently is a thing, um, Jafar is being played by other people. Fair enough. 
but the obvious one everyone always remembers is uh, Rob Williams, who did not return to play the genie for Return to Far or the entire TV series. And the reason of this, and again, we're all going on what we can pull from Wikipedia and other reviewers, but the short version is is that Robin Williams agreed to play the role of genie um, and do it, you know, forego his, you know, what he could ask for a salary, which even Williams at the time could ask for a considerable amount, and take SAG scale, which is low, certainly, but it's enough to comfortably live on. And in return, the idea was that Disney would not use him as a billing point for the movie, much less oversell his character. He didn't want to be what this movie was effectively known for. I am the main character, after all. However, if you all remember, the first movie might as well be titled The Big Blue Genie featuring that that one guy. Pretty much. <laughs> so, so, yeah. Obviously, that, uh... Disney and Williams had a big falling out over this, which they eventually patched up for movie three. Yep. But this is the reason Dan Canastella, who most people know as the voice of Homer Simpson, takes over the role of Genie for the bulk of anything Aladdin produced. We're going out, Marge! If we don't come back, avenge our deaths! And it's not that Dan isn't bad, it's just there's an energy and the improvisation of Williams that makes makes a Genie far better in Aladdin and Movie 3 than he is anything else. Oh, it's, they wrote him. They wrote the character to fit Williams more in those two movies. Agreed. Yeah. So this one they toned it down, and in the TV show they toned it down. But Castle, I mean, Castellaneta does a really good job, and he's an oh, amazing yeah. voice actor in I'm his not, own right. I'm not, I'm not faulting him at all. Especially the fact that I mean, he does countless voices on The Simpsons. He can sing too. Yeah. I mean, heck, he sings in The Simpsons and also in his uh, one character in Futurama. He is the robot devil, after all. How deliciously ironic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can't just have characters say how they feel. That makes me feel angry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like I said, we like we said, Dan Casano does a fair job in this. I won't fault him that. Of any complaints that could be leveled towards the second movie. The, per- the voice performances overall are not one of those oh, things. No. Everyone does Everyone great. is definitely bringing their A game. I'll be honest, though. My, the only thing I don't like about the genie role in this movie, it's not kind of, it's not Dan. It's his song. And looking at Becca, when I was watching this, I'm like, oh, God, make it end. Make it end. <laughs> well, it's essentially the song he does in this movie is it's like a, it's a sequel song to Friend Like Me from the first one. And it's. Not nearly as good. I remember loving it as a kid, and honestly, when I was rewatching it this time, I was still singing along with every single song in the movie. <laughs> well, hang on, did Jafar get a proper villain song in the first movie, other than the he, reprise to Prince Ali? There was going to be one, from what I understand, but it was considered way too dark. Oh, fair enough. And so they cut it. Um. So yeah, because cause he gets a proper villain song here. And Freeman's an awesome singer. Oh, he is. I mean, he would have been... He is really good. He would not have been in the Broadway Jafar if he wasn't. But, uh, yeah, the song's a... Uh, it's a little weak, I'm not gonna lie. I, I liked it. I mean, especially as you finally get a chance to hear him sing. Yeah. And it's a, it's a fun, just goofy song. And I think it's their way of bypassing having, like, a genie tr- actually trying to fight Jafar. They're like, eh, let's just have some fun with it instead. Well, I mean, they they set it off, so they have to provide a reason why the genie could not take on Jafar by himself. Yeah. 
which it was also something I got to point out in this one more so than the third movie that they did well was show that Genie wasn't as powerful as he was in the first movie. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the third one, it's just, ah, screw it. <laughs> screw the rules. I have magic. Maybe it's Robin Williams' voice that gives him his full power. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> which they would sometimes remember it and sometimes forget it in the cartoon, like in the TV series. Like sometimes they'd be like, oh, right, he's free. He's not as powerful. And then sometimes they'd be like, eh, screw it. When it comes to this movie, yeah. Oh yeah, Gilbert Godfrey gets two songs. Yep, because <laughs> he has the best singing voice ever. Around. <laughs> he is an inch. It was an interesting choice. I gotta say, Gilbert Godfrey just knocks it out of the park in this entire movie, though. I mean, he's given a much bigger role than in the first one. Right, and in the first one, just, he's more of just of a minion, um, a funny one. But yeah, in this one, since they have to introduce him for the TV show. Yeah, and turn him from a villain into a hero. Mm-hmm. And they did a good, they did such a good job with him. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Now let's be crazy. honest here. the The music here does not come close to Alan Menken's original compositions for Aladdin. Yeah. Uh, well, a lot of the actually, like pretty much, I think all the background music is just swiped. Oh right my god! Out. I noticed that too. I'm like, that's the Cave of Wonders <laughs> song. That's the Cave of Wonders song. What are you doing? That that's an instrumental of one um, <laughs> one jump ahead. Yeah, they they kind of reused a lot of stuff, but and I'm pretty <laughs> sure you find that in the cartoon as well. Yeah, in the cartoon they reused a lot of stuff too. In the th- from what I read, the th- the third movie was the first one where they actually just recreated an entire um, like they created a brand new soundtrack and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so- no. The songs aren't as good as the first one, though I have to, I have to give them blah, I have to give them credit. Iago's song in the very beginning, at least, is some it's something different. It's yeah. very funny. Yes, it is. It's, it's very ridiculous. And then when they do the the like the quote unquote love song for this one, they don't try to ape whole new world. They actually do their own thing with Iago, and he's hilarious in that one too. It's kind of like in um, Lion King where Pumbaa sings during, uh, <laughs> what was it? Um, oh, my God. I can't remember the name of the song. The the Elton John song in Lion King. Oh, Hakuna Matata or no, no, or the, 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 the very end of uh, Can You Feel, can the, you love feel the Love Tonight? Yeah. That's it. Oh, my God. I can't believe I forgot the name of that. It's all right. It's just kind of, it makes me think about that, where in the behind-the-scenes stuff for The Lion King, they're like, originally we were going to have Timon and Puma sing the whole thing, but then we looked at it and went, no, let's not do that. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my God. I don't know if I can... So that's why, in, in this one, it works, because it's more of a humorous song rather than trying to be, like, one of the big, like, you know, serious points of the whole movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it would have been like, if in the middle of a whole new world, in the first Aladdin, Abu all of a sudden starts trying to sing with it. But yeah, and then like the other obvious big difference about this movie from the first one is, yeah, the animation definitely took a dip in quality. Oh god, yeah, I we need to. Yeah, so, again, it's. I mean, they went from a budget of the original Aladdin. Yeah, I'm checking on this. Had a budget of Aladdin had a budget of twenty eight million. Yeah, and this has a budget. It's a. It's apparently between three point five and five million. So yeah. Slight drop. It's definitely... Yeah, it's produced with TV in mind. You can definitely tell that. 
you can actually really tell it was made for TV because there's points where it fades out and you believe there's a commercial coming right there. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and that's not even what they had to pay the actors to. Right. And from what I read, apparently two different animation studios worked on this. Mm. Like one did the first half and the other one did the second half. And you also got to look at it as this was Disney experimenting with direct-to-video, so they weren't going to throw a whole lot of money at it. No. And it's probably the, can I mention, the only other voice actor who was not returning was the original voice of the Sultan. He was replaced by someone else, but that's minor. Which I never really noticed. That one I never noticed. Yeah. I, I, I'm just remembering the original. I'm comparing in my mind Return of Jafar versus the series because Jasmine doesn't do much here. Oh, in the movie? Yeah. No, in the she, series, she becomes not maybe not equal as a fighter to Aladdin. She becomes an action girl. Oh God, yes. There's a there's an infamous episode that I can still remember where I'll be small and we need to get to him. Um, <laughs> oh yes. He he puts a Jasmine under hypnosis of some kind to make her dark action girl, and she promptly takes over his entire organization, boots him out the door, and <laughs> pretty much is about to set take over Agrabah for where they trick her back to normal. <laughs> Knowing that if she wanted to, she could kick Aladdin's ass. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, we're going to take our second break. I can't bring people back from the dead. Kids just love a good Peter Lorre. Enjoy his nonstop improvised riffing that made him everybody's favorite part of the film and every Disney animator's worst nightmare. Yeah, so Abysmal, who is basically Jafar's new lackey in this one, and he becomes a reoccurring villain during the TV series, and he's voiced by Jason Alexander, and he is awesome. <laughs> Alexander is really, really good. In oh, this he, movie. He's definitely putting his all. I don't know, maybe not his all, but he's definitely doing a good role. Into, he's definitely doing well for, with this. The, the, I mean, the character is basically like a bumbling idiot, but no, Jason Alexander does a really good job with the part. And it, it was fine to see him like reappear throughout the entire show. And. If I remember right, didn't he have, like, a lackey that was just repeatedly smarter than him in the show? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I, think you're, I think you're right. God, we may have to do a couple of episodes of that sometime. <laughs> oh. I, I do like the very beginning when uh, he's like, oh, you're a genie? That means I get wishes. Yes, three wishes. And he's like, all right. <laughs> and Jafar just messes with him on the wishes. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, I want the sunken treasure. And he goes, okay. And they teleport into a sunken ship. Right. Well, let's go over the plot in general. The movie begins with Aladdin still up to not, – he's not stealing to survive anymore, but – He's more like Robin Hood in this right. one. Right. He's stealing from other thieves to give to needy people. Yeah. So, and it's where we meet Avi Small for the first time and find out he has a good a human resource department. In short, his all his men hate him and want him dead. <laughs> Yeah, and they try to kill him every chance they get. Yeah. Um, Which I, I do like, I, I do have to point out, it's really good the way they've updated, you know, they've grown Aladdin's character, where in the first movie you see that, you know, he's an honorable thief and he gives to people who are a bit more, you know, who can't even steal like him. Uh -huh. So it's kind of cool to see him not just, you know, give bread to a couple kids. In this one, he steals a bunch of gold and just gives it out to the entire, you know, entirety of Agrabah. Right. Like, that was really cool. Well, went on an exception. But, um, and then, well, yeah. He returns back <laughs> to the palace, and 
Uh, we next flash to Iago, who has somehow managed to dig himself and the lamp out of the Cave of Wonders. <laughs> this raises questions. <laughs> yeah. It, it is pretty funny to see him trying to get out of the lamp, though, and Jafar finally just blasts him out into a sand dune. Right. And where we get our first major conflict, Iago is just tired of Jafar's crap. Yep. He's finally like, you know what? I'm done. Yep. You're on your own. Here he goes, you know what? You're nothing without me. You know that? And that you <laughs> if it weren't for... I just just love... you. Um, yep. I just love Jafar's line. If it weren't for me, you'd still be at a cage of bazaar squawking, Buddy, what the cracker? So... Yago drops Jafar's lamp down so a well, funny. never to be seen again. I'm sure we'll never <laughs> see him again, right? No. <laughs> Even though the movie's called The Return of Jafar. Right. That was his return. He's done. Yep. Uh, Yago <laughs> um, makes his way back to Agrabah, where he has his whole musical number of how he only looks out for himself, and he runs into Aladdin. And Aladdin is, uh, he takes the, takes the minion of his hey enemies return very well. Yeah. <laughs> he tries to kill him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, he pretty much does. I love the fact that they all have this intense hatred toward the parrot. <laughs> yeah. Like, they're going to execute the parrot. Like, it's just really funny. <laughs> so, Iago tries to beg with him, saying he was under hypnosis, just like the Sultan, but Len's not having any of this crap. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, Q. Abby Small, who shows up, remembers that and stole from him and tries to stab him with pointy things. Yeah, which I, I do like um, Abby Small's catchphrase in this one where he just shouts, Hurt him! Hurt him a lot! <laughs> Iago uh, basically saves Len from the bandits by doing He drops something. I can't remember. Oh, yeah, he drops... Oh, he drops a uh, a plant onto a... Um, teeter-totter, essentially. Teeter, yeah, like a seesaw, and sends Abysmal flying into his henchmen, and they all run off. Which is kind of hot, odd, because they were had a pretty firm grip, grip on Aladdin last time we saw him, but when Abysmal connects with them, they're all sent flying away. <laughs> yeah, uh, okay, ow. Brain hurt, ow. <laughs> I do think it's funny, it like, really demonstrates how worthless the guards are and the castle because these three random thugs are able to almost kill Aladdin while almost, uh, every almost single right guard outside, the, yeah it's almost right outside the palace walls I might add yeah and every single guard like doesn't notice this and it also he's able to outwit every single guard in the first movie yeah so short version is Aladdin's like alright listen Iago maybe you have turned around but until I can figure this out I'm gonna have to talk to the Sultan yeah. about this he's like I'll have the Sultan give him a fair trial what Short version is is that, and then the Sultan Jasmine find out Iago's in the palace. They they take exception to this. Yeah, they're uh, they're not too happy about that. However, he uh, Atlantic eventually convinces them. Look, I'll vouch for him. Just give him a chance, okay? And they're like, fine, whatever. Abismal, we cut back to Abismal and his men who are washing themselves at a well that looks very familiar. And he finds Jafar's lamp and rubs it. Jafar yep. shows managed to poof out of lamp right before Abby Small men are going to kill him. <laughs> I, just, I just love that line. I hate that Aladdin. I'm going to slit his throat next chance I get. I hate that Abby Small. We'll slit his throat the next chance we get. I, I have to bring up, there's a lot of attempted murder in this movie. Well, it is a Disney movie. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> wow. Wow, that came out darker than I expected. <laughs> 
There really is, though. Like, they try to kill Abby Small here. They try to behead Aladdin earlier. There's a later part where Aladdin is legitimately almost executed, complete with bag over his head, and in the gallows. And the head of the guard, played giant Jim Cummings, is certainly enjoying his new role. Oh, yeah. Which he becomes a recurring character throughout the show, too. Yep. So, short version Jafar strikes a deal with Abby Small after he makes it waste his first two wishes. You know, I have to point out that something kind of funny, in both movies, the second wish from Genie and Jafar is used to save somebody from drowning. Neat. Granted, in the second movie, it's due to Jafar's own doing, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, love, let me guess, you'd like to use your second wish for me to save you? He basically says yes. <laughs> Here's when i got to point something out. In the first movie, it's pretty established pretty on, with the exception of, you know pop culture references for transforming himself, Genie only really uses his magic uh, in accordance with wishes. Yes, there's a friend like me song, and it's fun, but it's more to show off what he can do, not what he will do. Jafar, on the other hand, is able to use his magic to do whatever the hell he wants, minus the three rules. Yep. Which makes more sense, though, is Genie is more in line with just the standard rules of being a genie, whereas Jafar is, screw the rules, I have magic. Fine, but it, it kind of rubbed watching this as an adult, and I'm like, wait a minute. Jafar basically tries to deal with Abby Small. Look, if you take if you take me into Agrabah and help me with my revenge, you'll be rewarded. And once again, like, he comes off as a good, he's a solid villain for, like, the oh, whole God, yeah. Movie. And I just love his line, too, where he goes, those were your first two wishes, take your time with the third. You'll wish you'd never been born. Just Wouldn't that conflict, okay. conflict with the first rule of not killing anyone? You'd be surprised what you can live through. Oh, I knew you were going <laughs> to say that. <laughs> I actually like that running gag line. Yeah. Don't worry, Abu. He's a genie, and genies can't kill anyone. <laughs> but you'd be surprised what you can live through. <laughs> so the, he... Gets him back to Agrabah. Meanwhile, Genie has returned because he's gone all around the world and is like, you know what? I kind of like hanging out with you guys. And it's he's got totally be... not because it's, it's a convenient plot device. And he's got to be around <laughs> for the TV show, so, you know. Yeah. Um, like a long story short. Um... So Iago has actually started befriending Aladdin and Jasmine and everyone. and But then uh, Jafar shows back up again. Hi, Iago. And uses Iago to start his revenge plot against Aladdin and revenge. company. And so the first part of it is he has Iago lead Aladdin the Sultan off to an area way far away. He then surprises Genie and Abu, and Genie points out, Don't worry, he's a genie and he can't kill anyone. Flamethrower! Cue villain song. <laughs> yep. Which I do like at one point when Jafar, Iago, and Abismal are all talking, and Abismal's like, I know, I could wish for this, and he wishes for like a treasure chest or something. Jafar snaps his fingers and he gets trapped inside a treasure chest, snaps his fingers again. Oh, I'm sorry, I thought that was your third wish. <laughs> <laughs> are you all right? Well, actually, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> all right, we need to take a quick break and then we'll get to the, the climax of the movie. And his accomplice, Iago. I can't take it anymore! Who is now the second most famous bird Gilbert Gottfried has ever voiced. Affleck! 
So the short version is, is Jafar starts kidnapping everyone around Aladdin, his monkey, the carpet, genie, uh, the sultan, and eventually Jasmine. And seeing how uh, there's no one else to blame, Jafar disguises Jasmine, basically orders the death of Aladdin, to which the captain of the guard is very happy about. Yes, Razul. Yes. As we learn his name is, which he was in the first movie, but he was never named. And we have the running, we have the beginning of him just not liking Aladdin, and that runs through the entire TV show. Yes. I think there's like one episode where they actually end up working together and kind of reach an agreement. Yeah. Yeah, it's when um, Agrabah is taken over by. The Green Team. I can't remember the character's name. Yeah, Yeah, the guy who could breathe like magic flames and stuff. And so Aladdin and Razul finally work together. And there's no one else left. Yeah. Well, it's at the very end of the episode, they kind of reach, uh, you know, we don't really like each other, but hey, we actually kind of work well together. Yeah. So the short version is after everyone's captured and Aladdin is, you know, only moments from death from being executed. Iago ends up saving the genie, which I love the line. It's like, what are you doing now? What does it look like I'm doing? I'm trying to save the chump genie so you can save your chump boyfriend. <laughs> right. So, after the group... I, I, like the, I like the fact that even though Iago ends up becoming a good guy, and he gets to keep his... I'm still kind of a dirtbag like, throughout the whole show and the movie, which is definitely helped by Gilbert Gottfried's performance. Oh, God, yeah. So He's so good. So eventually, Iago manages to free the genie who saves Aladdin and the group reconnoitres and like, okay, how, we gotta stop Jafar. How do we do it? Oh, destroy his lamp. That's convenient. Yep. It makes sense within the rules of the genie, certainly. Yeah. Yeah. And so, granted, I mean, I guess they could have just like grabbed the lamp and sucked him right back in it. Or if someone, logically speaking, if someone else grabs the lamp, they could wish make. Make a wish, and Jafar would have to grab. Granted, granted, probably a bad idea, allowing Jafar to yeah. act. He's more. Jafar's more of the monkey, monkey's paw version oh, yeah. of a genie. Why didn't it bring him here? You must be specific. Oh, so it's a sort of monkey's paw. You have to be careful with the hubris in your wishes. So yeah, that probably wouldn't have worked. I just, Which I do like the way they explain also Genie not having as much power where he goes, let's just say it's semi-phenomenal, nearly cosmic. And showing to the intelligence of everyone involved, they pretty much just jump Jafar right in the throne room. They don't try to be sneaky about it like they were in the first movie. Well, they do They do sneak through, but I, <laughs> it keeps getting thwarted because Abiz Maul is like, I want more treasure, and Jafar just starts snapping his fingers and dropping everything, and... He wants Abismal to wish him free, which they have the one moment where Abismal decides to not be a moron, and it actually works as a good way to explain like why he doesn't wish Jafar free when he has the chance, where he goes, I wish for Jafar to be, and everyone's like, oh, wait, what guarantee do I have that this stuff won't disappear when I, I wish you free? The more pressing question is, how will you stay alive if you don't? Which he has a very good point. Yes. I don't really think you could trust Jafar on that, but that's just my No. Point. So once Jafar realizes that everyone is free and they're, they're out to kill him, because it happens. Yep. He, uh, he decides to nuke the lawn. <laughs> yep. And there's lava everywhere. So why did they build Agrabah on a nearly active volcano? 
I, I have a feeling he creates that. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Um, but yeah. So, uh, so the lamp, not only Jafar's lamp near the magma, and he, he, he takes it, he doesn't even notice, it seems like. Is it, so I'm assuming there's part of the rule is he can't manipulate the lamp himself. I think that's, that, that's probably, that's probably true. From what I can remember the first movie, no, Genie never touched his own lamp. Yeah, which, I mean, if it he could, then sense. the first... Yeah, because then Jafar couldn't have taken it in the first movie, and Jafar even said to Abismal, I need you to take me into Agrabah, so... Right. I'm glad they do establish that, so you can't right. point... So nobody can point out the, why doesn't he just pick it up? Right, <laughs> so the short version is, is everyone fails to throw the lamp to the lava until Iago shows up and does it himself. Yep. And even though Iago gets zapped and burned and... Yeah, it's kind of brutal... And almost falls into lava. <laughs> so Aladdin saves Iago's limp, cor- limp half corpse, and they all celebrate. And Javar takes a goes... very long time to die. Yeah, which pretty cool death scene for him though. Yeah, with the like skeleton and stuff, which apparently, so unfortunately, my DVD copy, uh, just like with Dragon uh, Heart <laughs> Two, freaked out partway through the damn thing. Only this time I was actually enjoying the movie. Um, I had to find I had to find another uh, format of it mm-hmm. because I don't I have it on VHS, but my yeah. VCR isn't hooked up. And apparently on the DVD version, the part where he's flashing with the skeleton, they cut out pieces of that to censor mm-hmm. it. And then after all, everyone has the happy ending. We have an after credit scene. Yep, where Abby's Mall is hanging in a tree. It just goes. Does this mean I don't get my third wish? <laughs> yep. Yes, it does. And Q animated series. So that's the short version of the movie. Um, is it good? Uh, you go first. I, I still really like this movie. I, I really do. Honestly, I like I said when I was watching the DVD and the DVD freaked out. Uh, I was unlike with Dragonheart too, where I was like, well. Guess I don't have to watch the rest of the movie. Yeah, I did. But with this one, it was, darn it, I was enjoying that. Teaches me to buy DVDs off of eBay. But no, I actually really enjoyed it. Uh, Yeah, I can see some of the faults more now that I'm an adult than when I was a kid. And yeah, the, the animation does not hold up very well. But again, very limited budget, multiple, you know, two studios. And the fact that it's, you know, 21 years old. Yeah. Um, it does have its moments. And rewatching it, yeah, I got a huge wave of nostalgia from this, I'll admit also. Though there were point there was one moment in this movie that I legitimately forgot about and I had to pause it because I just fell over laughing. <laughs> Where uh Iago's flying away from Genie and all of a sudden he just appears in front of him as a jack in the box. <laughs> just <laughs> and Iago falls to the ground. I don't know why I just started laughing for like a minute straight after that. But yeah, I I still sa- I sang along with all the songs. I apparently still have half this film committed to memory. Mm-hmm. Is it as good as the original? No, it is not. It, it is not as good as the original Aladdin, obviously. And I don't know how it how I feel about it compared to the third movie because I haven't seen the third movie as much, and I can't remember the last time I even watched the third movie. But you know what? I still really enjoy it. And yeah, this is the best movie I've watched for the podcast all year. Uh, I don't know about – well, I'm not sure I agree with that, but 
short version for me, I don't look at it with this as much favorability. It's okay. But script just feels weak and rushed, and obviously for TV, it's not as good for me. That's just my movie that way. That all said, it does move the story forward, which, and I'm drawing from Nostalgia Chick's review of the entire Disney Directed Video sequels. God bless mm-hmm. her for doing that. It does move the story forward, even if it's setting up a TV plot, which most of these Directed Videos do not. Yeah. M- most of them are either. She, as she put it, it's a it's a prequel, which really has no effect on the real movie. It's a midquel, which it's the same characters, and has no effect on the on the first movie. Or it's a sequel where the kids of the originals have to learn the exact same lesson. Lion King two, anyone? Yeah. Uh, this one, even if it's a pilot for the TV show, it moves the story forward, which yep. is a good thing. And I like it. They have it explains a lot of the back backup of the show itself where at the very beginning the sultan wants to make aladdin his grand vizier which was jafar's old job and uh, but at the end of the movie uh, aladdin goes that's eh, not the right role for me i want to go and see the world first especially as he's looking forward to being like i'm eventually gonna have to marry the princess i'm gonna become the sultan i'm not gonna be able to go anywhere and i'm probably gonna become a pudgy little santa claus looking dude like you I think the implication is is that he's an uneducated street rat who, yes, while he can read, kind of needs to learn about politics. Yeah, which they do, and they do have episodes like that throughout the show, too. Yes. So, yeah, no, it, it moves the story forward, which can be said more for it than, I think, every other Disney sequel. Yeah. I, I can't say this one's my favorite of the Disney sequels because I think the best direct-to-video thing they ever did was The Lion King one and a half, where the comparisons have been made. You know how everyone said The Lion King, the first one, was like Hamlet? Uh-huh. And the second one is like Romeo and Juliet? Yep. Well, this one is like Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. It's essentially showing that Timon and Pumbaa were actually there throughout the entire story, and it's showing, like, all the backstory with them, and it's all done with a backdrop of the two of them watching the movie. And it's hilarious. Like, that is, that is the... And it, basically, it was the creators just having fun. And they weren't trying to do, like, a brand new thing. They're like, you know what? No, let's have some fun with this. So, it's October, isn't it? Yes, it is. So what are we going to have to do next? It's Halloween. Hmm... You know, there, there's something associated with that. There's always a lot of nightmares. And there's always a lot of slashing. <laughs> and there's a lot... And there's a big thing in movies where they like to have two big, well-known properties duke it out and beat the crap out of each other. <gasps> I got it! Alien, Alien vs. Predator Requiem! <laughs> I'm glad we were thinking the same thing there. No, no, we're not going to do that. We're not doing that. No, we are going to cover the greatness that is Freddy versus Jason. Yeah. And it'll be a grand old time. Yep. Let the bodies hit the floor. By the way, where, they can, where can they find us on the net? Oh, they can find us at frustratedpodcast.com. You guys can find us on iTunes under the Frustrated Fans. Mm-hmm. And... We like getting reviews. If you check out the website on the forum, I like posting a preview for the next episode each time. We like subscriptions, too. Yes, we do. We like it when people listen to us. Right. <laughs> Folks, we'll see you next time. Take care, everyone. Starring Al Liar. 
Blue Jasmine, Maleficent, The Original Angry Bird, Curious Abu, The Harness Level in the Super Nintendo Game, Really Ties the Room Together, and Robin Screen Time, A Genie.